Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to the Umarpreneur Life podcast where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs at the top of their game to bring you some insight in regards to entrepreneurship, business, mindset, and a few other amazing topics. And today with me I have none other than uh, a very great guest that I'm excited to share her knowledge with everyone that is listening, Sister Amna Beg. I hope I pronounced that right. Sister Amna, assalamu alaikum. Welcome salam. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm very good. How's it going with you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We're super excited to have you on this podcast and I know we're going to have an amazing conversation today because there's a lot that you do. We've Mm -hmm. been following you for a while actually on Instagram, so we're really excited to talk about this. Um, And just to share with our audience a little bit more about who you are. So Sister Amna, she's the co-founder of TC Creative Co. uh, And this is essentially a brand that is dedicated to helping you create memories with personalized gifts inspired by faith. She also offers business coaching um, and she recently launched a course for Etsy sellers, which we'll talk about as well. Um, and Amna, is there anything that I'm missing here? Anything you want our audience to know about you and what you do? No, I mean, um, yeah, so we started back in 2016. And I see that you said co-founder. Well, my other founder was actually my daughter at that time. So she was mm. 16 in uh, 2016 or 15 years old. And so we kind of started this um, business together. And over the years, as she's gotten more busy with college and stuff, it's become mostly me, but Mm -hmm. that is where our origin is. I like to say that we gift joy and create memories because, you know, when we're creating something for somebody to give to someone, that person is going to remember, you know, Mm -hmm. that special personalized item or that gift. And it creates memories, long-term memories. That's amazing, mashallah. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about what you're doing. But before we even dive into all the products and everything that you've been releasing, I really like to start with my guests by rewinding to the past and by really starting at the moment that even inspired you to become an entrepreneur and start your own business versus the traditional path. Because a lot of Muslims that listen to this, um, a lot of them sometimes are still working nine to fives, they're still working at jobs and they're Mm -hmm. considering entrepreneurship. So what was the moment for you that kind of sparked that interest and made you go, well, you know what, I think think the business route is, is the one for me. Well, um, I have zero business background. Um, There was nothing in my past that would like predict that I would start a business. I was an elementary school teacher. I was a second grade teacher for nine years and I was working in an Islamic school. And then back in 2015, I was pregnant with my fourth child and I was burnt out because if you are not an educator, you may think that it's an eight to three job, but it's not. It is hours and hours of dedication. If you care about, you know, your profession, there's so much extra work that goes behind um, teaching. And so I saw myself actually giving 100% to my students and nothing to my family. It had come down to all to that feeling of just constant guilt, you know, because I had my um, other baby, she was in uh, being with a babysitter, my two older ones were in school. And then when I had my fourth one, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a year off. You know, I wanna take one year off to recoup, to regroup, um, to kind of just like give more time to my family. And so the plan was just for the year because we are a two household, like two income household. And mm-hmm. I knew that like, okay, I can stay home for a year, but I'm going to have to go back. And as I started staying home after like end of 2015, I was thinking, you know, I had my two little ones at home and I really enjoyed that. I 
I was already dreading the, the end of this year off about going back full time. And I had to think like there has to be some way that I can um, continue staying home but also bring in an income so that I mm -hmm. can stay home. And so that is where, you know, I started at first because of my teaching background, I started creating um, lesson plans and projects to sell on a website for teachers. So that's what I, I had actually started that in 2012. So it was kind of like a side thing. So I really tried to amp that up mm -hmm. um, so that I could, you know, like focus and do that and sell more of that and have this passive income. Um, but then since I wasn't in the classroom completely, that motivation to create new teaching products died down after a few months. And then I was like, OK, what else can I do? So I was just, you know, in Facebook groups and I saw um, different people have creating items at home, like personalized items, onesies, mugs, whatever, um, and then selling them. And then I was thinking, you know what, like when I put my mind to something, like I'll research it a lot and I'll just dive right in though. You know, I don't let like, oh, I don't know how, how this works or anything stop me. I kind of just make sure I do all the research, dive right in and, and go for it. Um, I saw a gap in the market for personalized items here in New York or here a lot in the US, um, mm -hmm. Islamic related, cultural related. So in Canada, like I used to visit a lot in Canada because my in-laws are there. There was such an influx of um, Muslim owned businesses that cater to the community with, the, with these types of items, right? Like, and I saw that over here in the US, yes, a handful, but it wasn't really prevalent. And so I saw like, this is something that I can put my foot into the door. I can offer something that the community is going to enjoy because it's something new for them. And so uh, in 2016, I launched my first like onesies. And when launch, I mean, I just had an iron and I had my vinyl decals. I bought like a, you know, the decal um, cutter, the vinyl cutter, and I was pressing, you know, onesies with an iron, you know, like wow. just um, on the ground as, as hard as I could because I didn't have a heat press. So, wow. and when I posted them on Facebook, I started a Facebook um, account. Mm -hmm. it, it was really like widely accepted here in my community or here, mm -hmm. like, um, it was something new to them. It was something completely like in Canada, they, they didn't know it was like happening so much in other parts and they loved it. And so like that first Ramadan in 2016, I think I made a hundred or so onesies all like Amazing. late nights pressing down on that iron. And like, that's how it started. It was just, uh, it was both like, I saw a desire of, for the community and a desire for myself to want to stay home with my kids. Yeah. Um, well, I really love that story because that story really showcases really the beginnings of entrepreneurship in that it's scrappy and it's do it yourself mm -hmm. and you really just have to figure it out and be creative. And a lot of people think, you know, they kind of limit themselves sometimes of, oh, I need an investor and I need to have this big store and I need the heat press and I need everything else. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't have imagined that you would be able to even launch without a heat press. I'd be like, okay, that's the minimum that you need. But you went, we used to go one bar further and you're like, no, <laughs> I'm going to use an iron. So I love that. I love that, mashallah, because it just showcase, showcases that when there is a will, there is a way, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a goal and when you say to yourself, well, there's a problem that I want to solve. There's something that I want to put out into the world. There's always a solution. There's always a way to be creative, to use the resources that you have in your disposal right now to get started. Even if 
it might not be exactly what you want it to be. I'm sure that even when you started, you probably had in your mind that you wanted the heat press, you wanted these machines, mm -hmm. you wanted to have, you know, a fully functioning setup that would allow you to be streamlined throughout your process. But you also recognize that you had to start somewhere before mm -hmm. you got to that, to that point. Right. Right. Yeah. And then after mm -hmm. that first Ramadan, the profits from that went into a heat press. <laughs> so like, right. that's what I did. I was like, okay, yeah. I have to, I was like, I cannot do this again, you know, <laughs> like on yeah. my floor late nights. And so I knew like I had to reinvest what I'm bringing in. I might not mm -hmm. be profiting so much because I need, I know I need to reinvest and, yeah. and that's how I'm going to grow. And that's, that's also something that is important that you mentioned because if you didn't take that time to say, okay, or, or you didn't have that willingness to say, well, this money that I'm making, I'm not going to kind of pocket it. I'm going to reinvest it to grow the business. You wouldn't be where you are today. And that's also an important point because really the journey of business, when we think about it is very much what you're saying here, which is you're going to start with the minimum that you need with what you can have at your disposal right now. And then eventually as your profits start to increase as you start to generate revenue, you can use those profits and that revenue to be able to fund the growth of your business and eventually keep getting to that next level and that next level and that next level. Um, and that's really what you have to do when you're self-funded when you don't have investors, you don't have, you know, the venture capital and all of that. Um, so it's, it's awesome to hear the story and, and really just see where you are right now. And recently, um, you, of course you, since then you've, you've went on to launch, um, a series of different products. So not only onesies, you have scented candles, that you are launching recently. And I realized I saw this on your Instagram and I thought it was very interesting because the candles aren't your traditional scents. They're not like, you know, vanilla, like, you know, um, uh, oak wood, whatever it is. Like, like you have like scented candles that evoke your culture and tradition. So tell, tell us about that. What, what inspired this idea for you? Yeah, uh, well, I I absolutely love candles. So up until two years ago, um, in, and still in my house, I, I have probably 30 to 40 Bath and Body Works candles, right? <laughs> um, absolutely love them. I wouldn't burn them all the way because I was afraid of them finishing. Like, I have, so I have so many that are just opened in there. Then yeah. two years ago, what happened is my husband, who um, has mild allergies, something happened in his body that he became allergic to everything scented that was mm. synthetic or, you know, non-natural fragrances. So shampoos, soaps, laundry detergent, he had to get everything non-scented. And so that included uh, my candles. I couldn't light them anymore. It would make his skin break out. He would bleed from the scratching. And so that's where that ended. So for a whole like year and a half, I'm like, okay, I can't light my candles. Um, and then during COVID, um, like that 2020, 2021, when I joined TikTok and I saw all of these like candle making videos and I'm just like, I, I think I can do that. Like maybe I can create candles that I can, I can light at home. It was really just like for myself at first. And then when I started just making one or two, I got um, an order right away from um, Helping Hand, uh, the organization to create a hundred candles for their gift boxes. And so this is right in the beginning when I'm learning how to make candles. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity for me to really um, actually see if I can do something more with this because I'm about to practice candle making on a hundred candles and I'm getting paid for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting paid for these candles. Yeah. So that money is going to help me bring in supplies and I get to practice. Yeah. And so once I did that, I saw how much I loved it was so therapeutic. Candle making is completely therapeutic, um, but it's a lot of math 
and a lot of science and a lot of testing. Um, and then I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to add this. I'm going to add this into my business because why not? But I know I have to find a niche in it because mm -hmm. if I'm trying to sell to everyone, I'm not going to sell to anyone. It right. doesn't look like that. So mm -hmm. where am I going to go? Well, my business is already, uh, focused on like the South Asian Muslim community, um, not just South Asian, but the Muslim community. Um, and now I can branch out to like South Asian candles are really like different and unique. There are a handful of people doing it out there, but it's, it's, you know, like a still a small pocket that I can get into. So yeah, we have a mango. So I'm launching, launching this week, actually. Mm -hmm. I haven't launched Amazing. yet, so I'm launching this week. We have mango lassi, we have rose faluda, we have like, you know, the matai sweet, the box of sweets. Mm -hmm. um, we have chai and, and um, we have zarda. Do you know what zarda is? I don't know what zarda is. Please tell me about it. Like that, that yellow rice that has like some colorful, like yes. um, that, that yellow rice, it's sweet rice. 100%. Yes. So that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> amazing. Is. I think, I think for me, the, the flavor that I'm most, ex or the scent, sorry, <laughs> it's because I'm thinking about <laughs> <Yeah>. food right now, <laughs> but the, the scent that I'm most excited about is definitely the mango lassi. I'm so excited for that. Cause it's one of my favorite drinks too. Like whenever oh. I order Indian, I like, this is, this is what I'm getting on the side. Yeah. It's just oh, so yeah. delicious. Yeah. It's uh, not easy. It's like, because when you think about it, some of these foods don't have a particular scent to them. So like mm. gulab jamun, or if I opened up a box of matai, there's not a particular scent. So what I have tried to evoke is the taste, like trying to look at the ingredients that are in there and formulate mm. my scent so that you have that feeling of when you're taking that first bite, this is the scent that you could kind of associate with that. But now my ch now this kind of poses a different problem for, for your audience, which is when they're lighting up those candles, it's going to create like a big craving <laughs> within their stomachs <laughs> for the food. I mean, how do you overcome that? I mean, I want to know how, how close were you, um, like now that you've, you've done this, right? So you, you've actually prepared the sense you've, you've gone mm -hmm. through the formulas for each one and mm -hmm. you've tested them out. I'm really curious to know how you were able to get like a food flavor into a candle scent. Like for you, what were you looking for when you made that? What, what, what did you want the person that lit those candles to feel? I, well, the way it works is that I purchase, you know, these fragrance oils from mm -hmm. different companies. And so I was first looking um, for fragrances that kind of reminded me of the, the scents that I wanted to evoke. And there are actually fragrance oils themselves out there for like jai and for cinnamon jai and things like mm -hmm. that. But then um, in order to get the perfect blend, you know, I was like dipping Q-tips and smelling them together and seeing what this would look feel like. So I want I, I want the audience to, you know, as as they're smelling this, have that comfort, have that nostalgia, have that, mm. like when I light my jai candle and then it's all waxy and I blow it out and it's all liquid, like I, I really feel like taking a sip of it, you know, <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's like that. So um, it's that, it's, it's just bringing back, it's bringing comfort, really. Mm. I love that. It's interesting how, you know, like when you stimulate the senses, it's such, it's, it, it just it, it brings you to a certain place right and even when you think of sometimes you know when you when you've maybe listened to a song in a very special moment and it was playing maybe at a wedding or something or your wedding and then you like listen back to it every time and you're like oh that's you know that song it played at my wedding it kind of transports you back to the one or that smell of like 
fresh cut grass and it'll remind you of like when your dad used to go out and mow the lawn and you know like those days when you were a younger kid it's interesting how like smells like flavors like 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 music like you know and anything that involves our senses can really transport us back to certain moments and memories and evoke those feelings within us they can i actually put out a, a poll or a request to my audience on instagram and i made a google doc and i was saying like if you have memories connected to these foods can you please share them with me because mm -hmm. and so i had a handful of people you know share their, their memories of that mango just like you're saying uh, of their parents of pakistan of this and that and so i am going to use those as part of my description in my in my listings you know mm -hmm. because that's what i want the 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 people who are reading the descriptions to be able to visualize as well. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you launched anything else outside of the candles and, mm -hmm. and the onesies? Is there any other product lines that you've launched since the, the start of your business? Yes. Yeah, so our, my main thing that now is manufactured are um, Ramadan and Eid family pajamas. So mm. I started making them myself, not making the pajamas, but adding the designs on myself in 2018, 2019. And then because the demand was so high, we decided, um, okay, I'm going to hire a, a graphic designer. She's going to um, create the whole pattern for the pants, the shirt. And then I got a contact in Pakistan and he is my middleman who goes and gets all of the stuff for me and then goes to the factories and then delivers it. So I've been getting those pajamas um, manufactured since 2020. That was the first mm -hmm. year that they came. So that is, yeah. So the 2022 line is in production right now. Um, and inshallah, it should be coming in March sometime. Inshallah, that's amazing. It's yeah. awesome. Um, so March, so it won't be in time for this Ramadan then, because it's, it's going to be in April. Well, no, March, April. Be. No, it will be. Never mind. I, I'm yeah. mixing up March and May. I'm <laughs> Like, you know, because it's going to be in April. I'm, yeah. I'm praying. I'm praying yeah. that it's There's always something since 2020, like since launching there, there's always been something happening with production. Sure. And now there's supply chain issues and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So there have been delays, even though I started months and months ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing the wild that everything works out. Inshallah. Inshallah. Definitely. We'll grant you success in this. So mm -hmm. through this uh, journey of e-commerce and, and you're mainly on Etsy from what I know, correct? So you, you, you mainly sell these on Etsy. Do you have a Shopify store as well or not yet? I do. I do. I've, I've had that for a few years too now. I did okay. Etsy um, exclusively, I think for about two years to three years. And then I started my Shopify store as well. Okay. Awesome. What, what were you, what were the, the difference actually for someone listening to this that's interested in launching their own brand? What's mm -hmm. the difference? What are the different, um, I would say the platform specific nuances that you've seen of launching and selling your products on Etsy versus selling on your own Shopify store? Right. So if, so Etsy is its own, it's not social media, it's its own search engine. It's like Google. Mm -hmm. So people are going on Etsy and they are putting in their, their words that they want to find. And if your listings are optimized correctly, they can show up right on the first page, second page. Um, and especially if you have a niche that you are in, then you have a higher chance of showing up somewhere closer to the top. So mm -hmm. there, there's organic traffic coming to Etsy. It's it's not people that you have to drive um, there yourself. Whereas in Shopify, you really have to know that you have to market and you have to drive your own traffic. Mm -hmm. And so that is, I think, the main difference is if you don't have the capacity right now um, to be able to 
to do that, to, to market and, and bring your audience, Etsy is a great place to start because yes, you have to set up everything properly. It's not just like, I'm gonna put it on there and they'll come to me. Things have to be done the right way, but you have, you have you know, these millions of people that are already shopping on Etsy. It's well known. And, and I always say do both, like don't put all your eggs in one basket either, because at the end of the day, you don't own your Etsy shop completely. If Etsy decides to shut your shop down for infringement, for multiple, multiple things, then if you don't have something else, then you're going to be out of luck. You'll be, it's happened to a lot of people. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Shopify, you own your, your own domain, you have your own shop. Etsy, it's not yours, and they do take some more fees, but I think to um, or that organic traffic really is unbeatable. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting comparison. And so you initially launched on Etsy and you switched to Shopify. And um, with the candle, that, the, for example, the new product launch that you have now, will you be launching on both platforms? Um, I am going to launch them on my own site. Right on now your own site, okay. I'm doing limited stocks. They're going to be dropped. So it's not something that is just always available like things are on etsy this is more like here's how many i have and it's just easier to keep um, inventory this way to make sure that i'm just selling on my on my website for now until right. like i am able to create enough stock that i know i have this and then i'll probably put them on both right what would you say to uh someone listening to this uh who might be considering you know, starting their own uh, product line. If you would give them three tips, maybe that you've learned over the course of your journey of being, you know, uh, creating an online store and, you know, selling all these products, having all these product launches. Yeah. So for, I think for any business goals are important. You have to have, you know, your long-term vision and your goals, but more important than that is knowing what your drive is and why you have those goals, because, the difference is goals has goals have an end point, right? Like I want to make a million dollars in three years. There's an end point in that, but that's not the drive behind the goal. So like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you want to make money? Why do you want to do well in your business? Right? Like um, when we step back from our drive, we kind of forget like what the purpose is. And that is, so when things get hard then in the biz business and, and you find obstacles coming your way, if you don't remember that drive behind your why, you're going to procrastinate. Little tasks that are um, supposed to be done are going to feel like a burden because it's just like you're just trekking along, trying to get something done to reach this goal, but you don't know exactly for what. So always know your purpose. What is your vision? Why are you doing what you're doing? Like I know my my drive to have started this business was that I can spend time with my family, that I can bring in an income so that I am able to spend time with my family and and be able to give more of myself. That's my reason. I know if I let this fail, I'm going to have to go back <laughs> to work. And so I don't want to do that. So that's one thing. Oh, I can't hear. Oh, uh, you, you're muted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I, I, I mute my mic when you're talking to make sure there's no audio and so, yeah. sometimes I'll forget. Mm -hmm. So um, so you mentioned this, right? Figuring out your why, knowing, setting your goals. Are there two other tips that you can give for people yeah, who are listening? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there one more like abstract one, one more concrete one. The other the other general thing is don't focus on the hustle of others. Okay, like when we're constantly like um, seeing others 
we think they're reaching their goals on social media, right? And so we want that same feeling, obviously, right? We want to be, yes, we may be happy for them, but we want to feel that too. And so what this can lead people to do is kind of create such small goals that they're so easy to achieve because right when they do that, like they get that hit of dopamine and then they're like, yes, I did something, but they're not reaching far, right? You're not seeing long-term. You just want to feel that feeling that you're, you're seeing and that thing. So, so that's going to lead to unproductive habits. It's going to, it's going to like really just not let you see, um, you know, what is the big picture. So don't focus on the hustle of others. Like everything you see online on social media is literally like 1% of what is happening really. Um, so that's definitely super important. And I'm all about like mindset before anything, because mindset is what's going to make, make it or break it for you, honestly. Um, and the third thing that I would say is don't sell only on Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you are starting a business and you are considering it a business, treat it like a business and get onto some selling platform right away. Uh, like in the beginning, when I was when I started um, selling, I was only doing it through Facebook and I didn't start Etsy until about six months in. And it was and when I started Etsy, I was thinking, why didn't I do this before? It's it's just so much back and forth with customers. If you're going through DMs, there's no platform, there's no streamline. And it's you just want it to you want your business to feel professional. So, you know, like if you're having them pay through Venmo and pay through this, this is what you are creating, you know, this vision of your business. So get on. A, so get and when Instagram, if something happens to your Instagram account you know, which it does happen again, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, diversify where you're selling. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you mentioned that, but we recently had our uh, Instagram account for entrepreneur taken down for like three weeks mm. until we got it back. And uh, it was like, we were freaking out because we put in so much effort, so much work into it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, just one day, like one day to the next, they can email you and say, Oh, your account has been suspended. And the craziest yeah. thing about it is, they don't even tell you why, like they won't even tell you like, this is the reason why uh, we have never used bots. We never bought followers. We never did any, any of these things. Yeah. And so it was really weird. Uh, and we wouldn't understand why. And we kept appealing and we finally got it reinstated because we really weren't violating any terms, but just, you know, ha having just disappearing for three weeks was really stressful for us as a business because it was one of our main platforms. So exactly. you bring up a really good point in that you really can't put all your eggs in one basket because these are not platforms that you own. Whereas mm -hmm. you own your Shopify store, you own your email list. And mm -hmm. as, as much as possible, you want to bring your audience from a platform that you don't own, like Instagram and social media onto a platform that you own, which is your email list, your, your website, yes. your Shopify store. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think, and you mentioned email list. It's so mm -hmm. important. Like from the beginning, you need to start having an email list. And, and I think it's daunting to new business owners or, and it's also a little bit, um, you know, they're not, they get a little bit like not motivated because they're like, I don't have that big of an audience. No one's joining my list. Well, if you have one person join, that's one person more than zero, right? You're go going to start somewhere. Um, and if something happens to your socials, you're going to lose your customers. Yeah. So make sure you're getting their emails. Definitely. So recently uh, you, you launched, or you are about to launch uh, an Etsy course. So a course to help 
you know, aspiring product entrepreneurs, people who want to start an e-commerce store, launch on Etsy. So what was the motivation behind creating this program to help others? What were you trying to do with this course that you're about to launch? Right. Well, I did launch. It was last year. I was going oh, you to did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So my first launch was last year um, and okay. it was before Ramadan. And I, had, I see there's a wait list now. So is it a wait list for the next cohort? Yes, for the next one. Okay. Next Understood. One. So um, I, there were a lot of people, you know, on Instagram, like DMing me and asking about Etsy. And I knew like uh, I was able to, um, you know, have success on Etsy, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I had figured out like how to put the keywords, do the SEO. And I saw that most of my, most of my traffic comes on Etsy, not Shopify, right? Unless I am constantly bringing people to my Shopify, there's not much traffic going there. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I know a lot of other people were struggling to get sales um, through their own websites or through Instagram. And, and I thought, okay, you know what, like I'm a teacher, you know, this is my profession. Um, and I love to connect with people and help them, um, understand things and, and be able to go forward in their, in their goals and in their dreams. And so I just thought like that teaching part, um, that teaching background is going to mesh so well, you know, with my business now, because I can't improve impart my knowledge, you know, and share with others. So I did launch my course last year. And then from that, um, I had started a backend membership. So I have some members from that course now in the membership, which is currently like that's ongoing every month. Yeah, that's awesome. So really, it encompasses, I think, a principle that I have seen in, in most entrepreneurs who end up starting businesses and start seeing some traction, end up seeing some success in that you start to, you start to want to give back to others and help mm -hmm. them achieve the same success that you have been able to achieve. And that really, to me, is the natural course of an entrepreneur in that you will start a business first for your own gain, for you to be like, I want to make more income. I want to you know, be able to provide more for my family, be available for my children, have more time. And then once you get these things, then you're like, okay, what's next? And, and for many people, including myself, once, once I built a six figure agency and I was doing really well and I said, okay, well, what's next? Do I just go from that 10, 20 K a month to that hundred K a month? And you know, that didn't seem very appealing to me. It wasn't something that would get me excited to wake up in the morning. And at one point I had to figure out, well, okay, now that I, I have the business that's allowing me to live the lifestyle that I've always wanted, what's next? What is going to get me excited to get up in the morning? Because we all know once you achieve, if you set your goal uh, at a certain point and then you achieve that, you, you need to set something else to continue to be able to pursue, uh, you know, pursue growth. Whereas mm -hmm. if you don't, then you're just like, I'm satisfied, Ryan. What's the yeah. point of working harder, right? Yeah. And so I, uh, I built an agency it was a number of years ago, I think almost four or five years ago now. It's still running to this day. Uh, but I built to six figures and then I, I got to that point where I started waking up in the morning and I started feeling like I wasn't even motivated to work on my business. And I said, well, I feel I need to do something that gets me excited to wake up in the morning. And I spent, you know, two weeks brainstorming. I would wake up in the morning with my notebook. I would go outside to a park and I would just write down like, what is something that I want to do? How do I want to give back? And uh, finally, the idea for Umrepreneur came along and creating this organization, helping Muslim entrepreneurs, you know, with the podcast and everything else. Um, and I started working on that and it's been uh, almost three years now, alhamdulillah, but 
going through that now, having that bigger mission of wanting to give back and wanting to impact as many Muslim entrepreneurs as possible, the amount of fuel that it gives me is so much bigger uh, mm -hmm. than when it's just about me, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you feel so good that you're able to help somebody. And it's, and mm -hmm. it's like stuff that may seem very easy to you, some basic knowledge, something that you're like, oh, yeah, that like, I know that it, it could be very foreign to somebody else. And, and yeah. you might not even know that until you start explaining it to them. And, and then they're so like grateful. Right. So it's yeah. just like this ongoing thing. And then they're, and then they can help other people. It's just this ongoing cycle of, mm -hmm. of wanting to give back and give more. And yeah. I don't believe in like gatekeeping my knowledge and my, my, you know, my, my secrets of like where I get things done or um, where I manufacture or any of that stuff, because yeah. what's written for me is going to come to, to me. Yeah. And if I'm helping somebody else, like that's, that's more reward yeah. for me, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. And that's the attitude that we should have as Muslims always, because as you mentioned, we all know that our risk is allocated to us and that no one can actually take away from your risk. If mm -hmm. Allah Taala has allocated to you to gain a certain amount or to get a certain thing, you will get that thing. No one else, no one can actually steal from you. And I think that's a really interesting concept when we, when we mm -hmm. think about it as Muslims is that you can't actually, I mean, yeah, someone can break into your house and steal from you. That's not what I'm talking yeah. about. What I'm talking about is like, you know, no one can actually take away from your risk. No one can take away from your risk. Like your risk is pointed to you and it will come to you no matter what. You have a control over your risk, of course, in, um, in a way that we probably don't understand. And I don't want to say something that um, I don't understand, right? But we do have some control over it according to our du'as, the way that, you know, the things that we ask Allah for, uh, a du'a that is accepted. But no one else can come and take away from your risk. If a client was meant to be for you, it will be for you no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and, right? and thinking about like, who I'm working with in my membership and my course, these are all Muslim women entrepreneurs who are literally in the same market as I am, you know? So they are selling things, a lot, most of them are selling things very similar to mine. And, you know, um, we're working together to make sure that their listings and their shops and their socials are optimized, yeah. even though our audiences technically may be the same, but yeah, still we can all have that slice of the, the pie. Inshallah, definitely. Um, and Allah will bring more barakah to your business for doing so. So what advice would you give, um, you know, to someone in regards to entrepreneurship in general? Do you feel like now that you've been through this journey, do you feel like there was any misconceptions about entrepreneurship that once you became an entrepreneur, you realized, wow, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of pictured to be a certain way, but the reality is completely different. Was there any misconceptions, any myths that you've seen play out through your journey. Well, there's that one video or that TikTok that's out there is like, I didn't work, want to work a nine to five. So now I work a 24 seven when you're yeah. like, you're in your own business. So it's not yeah. just like, oh, okay, I'm at home and now I'm free all the time. It's yeah. especially in the beginning when you're trying to get up the groundwork. Like I wasn't sleeping for, you know, Ramadan, forget it. Like there was no sleep in, in Ramadan until I learned to figure out like what I can and can't um, say yes to and commit to. So um, that is one big misconception is like, just because you have your own business doesn't mean that you are free to do whatever, go meet with whatever, whoever at any time and that it's easy and you have like your, you know, all of this stuff. So I think like just, if you are planning on doing this, make sure that I think in the beginning, right from the beginning, and this is something that I wish I did is learn how to to batch my tasks, right? Like being able to set 
specific boundaries for what I will and won't do because in the beginning you want to say yes to everybody you want your name to go out there you don't want to say no I can't commit to this timeline and then you are just left feeling so burnt out and when I started learning to say no I'm I can't do that it just freed up so much um like this burden went off of my shoulders of wanting to have to like please everybody um and if somebody if people can learn that from the beginning it'll like save them a lot of uh headache (laughs) yeah definitely no i completely agree with that and i really like what you said because i think it's imperative for an entrepreneur to understand what to say no to and to be able to say no and in that you know, it's kind of like the 80-20 rule where you have to figure out what is the 20% of, of, of the things. Oh, I love that. There's a cat that just yeah. jumped into the background, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Who is this? Who's our, Who's this surprise guest that just joined us? Zoomy. Zoomy, mashallah. Zoomy. This is awesome. She looks so cuddly. She looks, yeah. I want to like just pet her right now, yeah. but I can't. Yeah. You're on the other side of the screen, but... <laughs> um, so yeah, what you were saying about, it's really the 80-20 rule. Right? And you got to figure out what is it, you know, the 20% of, of actions that you can take that will have, you know, 80% of the results within your business, right? Because if you think about it, you know, there's 80% of the work that we do, uh, the way the 80-20 rule works, 80% of the work that you do uh, brings 20% of the results, 20% of the work that you do brings 80% of the results. So what's that 20% that you got to focus on that really makes all the difference? And then you, can you cut down from that 80, right? Like mm-hmm. from the things that you do that don't really make a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would just add on to that. Like when we're, um, when I mean like batching our, our tasks for our business, it's, and when I say that, it's because every task has an on-ramp and an off-ramp, right? Mm-hmm. Like every time you're getting ready to do something, there is something that happens before in order to get ready for that. So if, if it's product photography, you're getting your equipment set up, you're making sure you have your props. And then after mm-hmm. you do the photography, then you have to unwind and put it all away. So that the the whole point of trying to regain some time back in our schedule and in our lives is how can we combine tasks that are similar so that that on-ramp and that off-ramp is reduced and it's not being done every time. So uh, practical tips like product photography, writing captions, things like that, set up a time to do all of them for the week or for the month so that it's not, oh, I made a product today. Let me take a picture today. It's not like that. It takes so much time um, to do that. So yeah, so just this is how we can reclaim some of the time we think we don't have um, by doing these little things that we think might not make a big difference, but they do. hundred percent. We actually have a, a week out of the month in the business called content creation week. And it's mm. a week every single month where we create the content for the entire month so that the mm-hmm. other three weeks we can focus on other stuff within the business. Because if we didn't do that, literally every day you're creating content and it's so mm-hmm. much work to create content, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But if you spent one week just focusing on, okay, I'm going to create all the content for all my social media for the entire month, that frees up three weeks to be able to do anything else you want to do, That's right? So, good. so how long yeah. does it, um, so you have a full week of just doing for the next three weeks and then you for, start that? Yeah, for, for the for the entire month. So like we, every time we have like a four, like kind of here's right. the, let's say now it's February. So for mm-hmm. one week out of the first week of Feb, we're going to create all the content for the entire month of February, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take like full time an entire week, but as yeah. in like every day, like okay today we're gonna do like the instagram posts the carousels tomorrow we'll do like the videos the next day we'll do this and even mm-hmm. for my for our, my youtube channel um my youtube videos people don't realize this 
Um, and I don't like to share this uh, secret because they think that I'm actually recording them every week. Well, all I do is I just change my sweater every time in between <laughs> shots. Uh, so I'll record, yeah, like I'll record all four videos and I'll change mm -hmm. my sweater for every video. So it looks like it's a different time, but it's all the same day. That's so, yeah. perfect. That's yeah. badging. You do yeah. it. That's, that's it. That's it's the secret. It's, it's yeah. so key, right? It's, it really frees up your time to do uh, mm -hmm. other things. So there's a question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast. One of my favorite questions to ask. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm really excited to ask you this question. If you could go back to uh, meet 18-year-old Amna and you could give her one piece of advice, you know, some, a mantra, something that she could hold on to as she goes through this journey of life and eventually this journey of entrepreneurship as well, what would you tell her? You could give her one piece of advice. Um, I would say that there is no medal of honor in doing it all <laughs> like mm. you know, there there is you're not getting a badge no one it there's no such thing as balance in everything in your life i really mm. truly believe that everyone's like yeah. how do you balance it all how do you manage i don't i don't balance it all it's impossible because we have different seasons in our life yeah. sometimes our family is going to overtake our business, um, you know, and sometimes um, our in-laws and th things like that, right? Um, some And sometimes when in the beginning, when my business was taking off, it, uh, there were there were things that I dropped the ball on in the house, yeah. right? And I gave myself such a hard time about that because mm -hmm. to me, it felt like if I'm not doing it all, then I'm failing because I'm I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm I'm a business owner, I'm a daughter. If I can't fulfill all of these, then is, is that that's impacting my self-worth. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say like, but who, who is looking at you about your, your being the hardest on yourself. If your kids, if your family feels loved at the end of the day, so what if like the house is a mess that day or you had to order out for so long, I didn't want to ask for help because I thought like asking for help um, in getting things done would mean that I can't balance it all. And I needed that balance. And, and I've learned that now it's just a, a game of like harmony. And it's how can we harmonize all the different tax, tasks in our life to work together? But that doesn't mean that they're all going to weigh the same and in the overarching like priority task list. So one of the things that I remember before COVID hit, it took me so long to, to accept the fact that, you know what, I'm going to hire a house cleaner to come once every two weeks. I didn't want to do it for so long because that meant like I can't clean my house on time. Like, what does that mean? Like, but um, once I did it, I, I realized, wow, that, that A, the stress, right? Yeah. B, I did, I, I was kind of afraid that people would think, oh, she gets her house cleaned she, or she had, you know, any people worry about that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was such a relief until COVID hit and then things went down the, the drain. But um, it it felt so good to, to be able to do that. And that time that I would have spent like deep cleaning the bathroom, now I'm spending in my business during all your task. Yeah. Right. And I'm you and I am optimizing that time now. And I'm still and it's okay that I'm paying someone to to clean my house. I think that's such an important principle that you mentioned here that I want to really focus on. I want to let it slide by. And it's I made a post about this recently when it comes to time management. And it's something that people really need to understand if they want to end up getting to that next level when it comes to their wealth. Mm -hmm. In that you, the key to understanding, you know, how to gain more wealth and how to grow a business and how to really get to the next level is to really differentiate between what's a high value task and what's a low mm -hmm. value task. And something like 
you know, cleaning your house, yourself doing the mopping and, you know, the mm-hmm. dishes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that might be like, yeah, sure, I can do it myself. But if that takes you maybe, you know, four or five hours on a weekend and you, you mm-hmm. instead spend that four or five hours within your business, mm-hmm. would you be earning more from your business by spending that time there versus, you know, spending it on the house. And that's how you grow your wealth. And that's, that's why most wealthy people will outsource these tasks. They'll outsource house cleaning, they'll outsource, you know, doing the laundry and sometimes even doing the groceries and cooking, right? Why? Because they understand that my time that I would spend cooking, if I spent it on my business or what I'm doing here, I would make so much more. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it would cover the cost of me hiring someone plus more. So yeah. I think it's yeah, important to kind of. Too. I, had, I yeah. started doing that too. I ordered groceries. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. paying $10, $15 more for the delivery fee, but oh, it was so much easier. To yeah. Do that. Definitely. Definitely. And it's so important for us to get into that mindset if we really want, want to get to that next level. So I'm really happy that you mentioned it. Amna. This was a, a really amazing podcast. There was lots of, lots of gems, mashallah, that were dropped. Uh, absolutely love this conversation. How can people connect with you further? How can they go and learn more about the, um, well, hopefully take part in uh, the candles that are being released, take yeah. part in your Etsy course, uh, and just, you know, keep up to date on everything that you're doing. Sure. So um, I am most active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's tc.creative.co um, and it's TC Creative Co um, everywhere on, on awesome. all platforms. And um, yes, and if I have a link in my bio for getting on the candle launch email because I, some scents may sell out only through email. So I just before I put it to the general public. So if anyone's interested. Awesome. Definitely. We'll include those links in the description. So if you're listening, check the episode notes. If you're watching on YouTube, mm-hmm. check the description. We'll make sure to include that in everywhere that we post this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an absolute blast of a podcast. I really enjoyed it and I really did get so much value and I'm sure the listeners did as well. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I hope we can have another discussion and another, another inshallah, time. inshallah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I look forward to it. This was awesome. Okay. So I'm all for number two. Uh, okay. inshallah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So it's like a lot of everyone for watching. You guys know the drill as well. Uh, go and follow our guests. Make sure to support them. Show, show them some love. And go ahead go ahead and support us as well. Uh, search for Omerpreneur on any of your favorite social media platforms and you can find us there. And please, if you enjoyed these, this episode or these episodes, uh, make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. Show your support. Give us a follow. Subscribe. And let us know what you like about these episodes. We put a lot of work into it and we'd appreciate your feedback. And of course, if you would like some help from my team specifically, you can book a call at omarpreneur.com slash call, and we can speak to you to understand what level of business you're at and where you need to get to, and if we can help you get there, inshallah. And until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum.